0: Will you outlast your money? Do you stay awake at night worrying about
1: providing for your family? Are you making the right decisions about your investments? There are many life-changing decisions that arise and questions you want answered when going through divorce or after you've received your settlement. This is the Financially Ever After podcast, where you'll hear stories of women like you and get advice from the industry's top professionals. Here's your award-winning and nationally recognized host, Stacey Francis. Welcome to Financially Ever After. I am your host, Stacey Francis. And this week, we're going to be talking to Dr. Elizabeth Cohen. She's a clinical psychologist and she is a specialist in teaching women how to heal, grow, and thrive after divorce, no matter how difficult the process has been. She's lived through divorce as well, but also she brings with it her decades of experience in the mental health field you realize that she is a expert in the area of cognitive behavioral therapy and brings a scientific explanation for why we feel like we're losing our mind going through divorce. And what's wonderful is that she tells you you're not and there's a scientific reason that your brain is struggling, whether it's difficulty remembering or thinking clearly, difficulty moving beyond, negative emotions and negative thoughts or challenges with feeling and moving through the anger that we all invariably have. Dr. Cohen hosts the Divorce Doctor podcast. You've probably seen her in the Wall Street Journal, NBC News, Women's Health, Huffington Post, Good Housekeeping and more. She's also a weekly contributor to Psychology Today, which I give her hats off because writing a column every week is a huge amount of work. And she knows what she's talking about. In fact, you can read her book that was just released. You can get that on amazon.com, Light at the Other Side of Divorce, Discovering the New You. And make sure that you stay to the end, because Dr. Cohen is going to tell us what we can learn from zebras. What do zebras know that we don't? Interesting you will find out. And before we sign off, you'll also find out a top exercise that you can use actually today to start creating your life by design, not by default. Helping you tap into what you really want, what you want for you, which might be something that you haven't really thought about. You've thought about you as a wife, you as maybe a mom, as a a daughter-in-law, as a friend, as a, as a daughter, but many times not really thought about you. And here's your opportunity. Dr. Cohen gives you all of these great exercises and more. So thank you for tuning in. And most importantly, help me welcome our special guest today, Dr. Elizabeth Cohen, CEO of the Center of Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, clinical psychologist having a special specialty of working with women just like you going through and after divorce. So Dr. Cohen, we're so excited to have you here. And I am so happy for you because you have a book that just came out. I would love to have you share a little bit about that book and also what brought you to this field and what inspired you to write your book as well.
0: Yeah, great. Thank you, Stacey. I'm so happy to be here too and to be speaking with your audience. My book is called Light at the Other Side of Divorce, Discovering the New You. And this came, as someone recently said to me, I turned my heart into art. So I went through a divorce about 11 years ago. And there was one evening when I opened up my laptop, exhausted from the day. I had a two-year-old and a six-month-old. And I don't even know the last time I had showered, right? Covered in probably baby food. And I Googled divorce recovery. And I couldn't find anything. And I didn't realize until very recently that that sent me the message that I actually wasn't going to recover because if it wasn't out there, then maybe it wasn't going to happen. And so I have the privilege of education and I was able to pull a program together to heal myself slowly, but surely. And I never wanted anyone else to have to go through that because I knew what, how painful and how hard divorce was without the emotional piece. And I want to to, to create really a healing program that people can take with them, can listen to on audiobook. You know, I have it on an online form as well, like a really accessible way to heal so that you can move through the pain and the discomfort and basically reduce the cortisol rush you have in your amygdala and the emotional part of your brain. So you can use your frontal cortex when you're doing financial planning or when you're meeting with your mediator. You know, I really want people to address the emotions so that they can make good grounded decisions for themselves because we know just how many there are when you're going through a
1: divorce. So I'm going to bring you back to a couple of words and I can so tell that you are a clinical psychologist. So let's talk about your amygdala, your prefrontal cortex and kind of the science behind this because so many women they're going through that. They're like, I'm losing my mind. I don't. Yeah. Right. Well, there are changes in your mind and having that scientific based knowledge gives you, at least for me, kind of like, ah, oh, this is normal. This is exactly. science. is not just you. me.
0: This is normal. Exactly. Exactly. So what, exactly. what's going on?
1: What's going on when you're in that stress trauma place that so many women are as they're going through divorce?
0: Yeah. In my book and in my work, I really do consider divorce to be a trauma because a trauma is anything that really takes our nervous system and gives it a shock. Now, that could be, you know, it's especially true if you weren't the person who asked for the divorce, but even if you are the person who asked for the divorce, the actual deciding that this relationship is over can feel shocking, even if you've been struggling for a long time. And it shakes everything. It makes me think of a snow globe, right? It's like the snow in a snow globe is really you know, not moving around at all, then you shake it. Like that's what happens in divorce. And you have to think about your nervous system and everything around you being shook in that same way. And the way the brain is structured, very easy way to describe it, is that we have a more reptilian part of our brain, a part of our brain that has been there the longest, and that's our amygdala. That's our emotional part of our brain. And that's the part of us that tells us, you know, what makes us light up and what do we want to move towards what makes us angry and what do we want to avoid? It's really the emotional center of our brain. And then we, especially as homo sapiens, have developed a frontal cortex, which many other animals do not have, that helps us decide how to mediate between our emotions and the world. So for example, if you've ever had an experience, you know, on a subway platform, getting so frustrated that, you know, you got there and the the train had just left, right? You might be Feeling like screaming out loud, but then your frontal cortex says, look around you. You're in New York. If you scream, <laughs> someone might think something else is going on. I'm going to wait and, you know, send a text to a friend. That's the frontal cortex. That's the CEO. That's the rational, reasonable part. And when things are going really well, those two parts of your brain are yeah. communicating beautifully. They're talking mm-hmm. well. When you go through a trauma and the cortisol hormone is rushing through your body like a in a divorce, you're Amygdala and your frontal cortex are not communicating. The amygdala overrides the frontal cortex and you act irrationally. You are forgetful. You feel more irritated. You feel more overwhelmed. And there really is a way to heal that. A lot of people say, I'm sure you hear this, Stacy, like, oh, when the divorce is over, I'll be able to thank again. Like, no, you can think through your divorce. We just have to heal and approach that amygdala, that emotional center that's really like on fire. You need to address that. And then they'll be able to speak more clearly, and you can make clearer decisions.
1: Yeah, you know it's so interesting, and you know your specialty is cognitive behavioral therapy, and my point of view is is that we see quite often the interaction between the amygdala and also the prefrontal cortex is cognitive behavioral finance, mm. and what's interesting is that interaction we have seen, and studies have shown when a woman, anyone, to be honest. Sees losses in their investment portfolio. When they see a loss, the amygdala is provoked. It's that very mm. innate caveman, cavewoman-like flight or fear. When mm. you know, the the lion was coming at us, when we we feel a loss, and unfortunately, what can happen is that that communication with the prefrontal cortex isn't happening, and all of a sudden we decide, okay guess what, I'm going to sell out of my entire portfolio because I am so nervous, I can't sustain this loss. Whereas the prefrontal cortex is that rationale of, guess what, markets go up, markets go down, three out of four years, the market goes up, everything will be fine. (laughs) And so it's interesting because we see this in different parts of our life from the trauma that you're dealing with through your divorce. And then from us, we are finance nerd quant people and (laughs) we see that behavior that way. Oh,
0: I love and that. So, and you know, that's, that's really the Stacey, the natural flight response because the amygdala is right, is about fight, flight, or freeze. And so yes. the selling all your stocks is the flight response. I'm out of here. Yes. This is too dangerous, right? Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah. And so I want to get back to your book and yeah. you have all these amazing pieces, chapters on negative thinking, chapters on dealing with your anger. Now that we know the science behind it, Mm-hmm. of these emotions of what's really going on in, in yeah. our brain, how do we process it? How do we move through it? Like, it's great to know that. That's great. Yeah. It's great to know that. But now what do we do with that information mm-hmm. and great. how can we make our journey with that information, yeah. being able to act on it and hopefully have a, a much more positive outcome, positive experience?
0: That's a great question. And I think we in the we can talk about anger because that's a good example. The I have a chapter called Righteous Anger, and it's all about how to process your anger. And I think it's very much related to what we're talking about, because when you're going through the trauma of divorce, you are going to have all the feelings, including the fight, flight, and freeze response. So the freeze is usually we describe as depression. The flight can be more anxiety, and the fight can be the anger. And a lot of women in particular are much more comfortable talking about depression and anxiety, you know, those stress, overwhelm. But the anger, you know, society has shown us and told us we can't be angry. There's such a negative negativity to that. So we try to like get through it by being nice or not being too angry. And I want to say that, in fact, the science and the biology is telling us that we need to process and feel our anger in order to move through. So mm-hmm. animals in the wild who don't have this frontal cortex have an amazing ability to manage threat and then kind of move through it. So if you watch zebras, there's a great book called Why Don't Zebras Get Ulcers?
1: <laughs> because if you think oh about gosh, it, isn't that great? I, love, I love that title.
0: Isn't <laughs> it great? It's by Richard Sapolsky. It's a great science nerd, amazing book about stress. And one of the things about it is it says like, because zebras are basically constantly under threat, and but they don't like walk around, you know, wringing their, their hooves, right? They're not constantly yeah, in anxiety. Yeah, yeah. And it's because They have a natural ability because they don't have kind of the rumination we have as humans to feel, feel the threat, notice that it's gone and move through it. And they process the fight, flight, or fear or freeze response. And that's what we need to do. Also, we need to be like the zebras. We need to allow the anger to move through us because if it doesn't, the body still holds on to it. There's another great book called the body holds the score. Like the body holds on to what we've been through, even if we think we're over it. And so if you don't involve your body in releasing the emotion, then it's going to get stuck and come out sideways. So I talk in the book about how you can really allow the fight response in many ways. I first started connecting to this by taking a kickboxing class. I didn't even know that that was what I needed. And it was never like I pictured my ex-husband's face or anything like that. I just needed the movements of anger the movements that allowed this emotion to move through me. And then I got a little more creative and I would put on music that would make me very angry or that reminded me of angry. So for me, it's like rage against the machine, just picture like a teenager in their room, rocking out like that kind of music. And I would let my body just move to it. However it wanted really letting my body lead. And it was amazing for me in particular. I noticed this kind of movement of my elbow moving backwards every time I did it like get off my back kind of thing and it turns out like that's what my body needed that's not necessarily what your body is going to need but we need to let it do what it's going to do so it can basically like shake it out and shake it off
1: yeah and move through and i have to say i love zebras but now even more i want to be a zebra because yes. i mean can you imagine i mean we we deal with so many inputs yeah. that can be threatening to us everything from is that person going to cut me off or that person jumped in line in front of me to something that's bigger of my is threatening to not divide the assets equitably mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. Being able to feel that, move through it and move on. And while we aren't quite built the way zebras are, <laughs> you give a really good recipe of how to move through that. And yeah. I also am so appreciative that you bring up the taboo subject of anger. We as women are comfortable saying that we're sad. We're comfortable saying we're disappointed, but we don't talk about being pissed off. Right? It's unladylike. And guess what? That is BS, that is not true. We are human. We have every every reason to be angry about certain things as a man, and yeah. we as women, I feel like are are coming to grips with this unladylike persona that was brought on by Emily Post and many of her predecessors. Mm-hmm. And it's about anger. It's about dealing with money. It's about all yeah. things that you know of of wanting to have money, feeling shame, that money's yeah. important to you. I mean, there's just so many pieces yeah. that go along with it.
0: Totally. and
1: I really am appreciative that you share that, but so much of Mm. as we're going through the divorce process, it's negative thinking and it might be judging ourselves because we're angry. It might be judging others. It might just be negative thoughts where we get out of bed, we tell ourselves it's going to be a good day and we try and do all the mantras and everything Mm -hmm. that we need to do. And it's so hard to keep that positive glass half full. And we find that even a few hours into our day, our class is back to to instead of half full, half empty. So how do you deal with that? Because your life is not necessarily what you want it to be. And do you just fake it? Yeah. How do you deal with those negative, you know? Yeah,
0: I think there's two pieces that are important. The first is I have a chapter in my book about the assumptions of divorce. I think it's really important. And I think it's the first chapter because I I thought really people needed to start with this, which is really looking at your divorce from a different perspective. You know, self-talk is self-hypnosis. So like we literally are hypnotizing ourselves all day long with what we think. People don't like to to think that because, you know, we like to think that we're so much more good, but like we are doing that constantly. So if you could think about your divorce, I, I challenge your listeners to think about this, that instead of thinking about it as the relationship is over or I failed, what if you were to take a minute and think this relationship came to its perfect conclusion? My ex and I got everything we needed from it and now we are releasing it. Mm-hmm. And what if that was something, that was how you looked at the divorce? Or I have an exercise in there where, you know, when people say, How's it going? I used to say, actually, it's it's going well. Like I can now watch Law and Order in bed and no problem with it. Like talk about something that you've gained from it, right? So really think about how you're sharing it, how you're thinking about the divorce in its and itself. As far as challenging negative thinking, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy has been the most research supported treatment for challenging negative thoughts. And essentially it's not about positive thinking. It's about challenging and getting to a more rational or neutral and reality-based assessment. So for example, lots of clients will say, I'm never going to get through this. Like, this Mm -hmm. is just going to kill me. Like, I'm just never going to make it through. And I'll say, I understand that feeling. Like, I, I get that. I've been there and it can feel like that. Tell me about some other things that were so hard you thought you'd never get through. And then we'll kind of look at those and we'll say, okay, when you were going through that, did you think you were going to be able to manage that? You know, what changed? Or what would you say to a friend who said, I'm never going to get through this? You know, no friends would ever say like, you're right, you're dead, you're screwed. <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Not a good friend. It's <laughs> exactly. Oh my God. That'd be so right? funny. I'd, it wouldn't be funny, but it's just like. Right. But like you'd never say that to somebody. Yeah, so that's a big, no. that's a
0: really important cognitive technique of what would you say to someone else. So it's really, Stacey, about looking at your thoughts. And I talk about it as like evident, like try to gather evidence for or against the thought. And then if there isn't enough evidence for and there's a lot against, then maybe, maybe you can get a little space between that you and that negative thought. Maybe there's another possibility.
1: Yeah. It brings me back to something that my mom shared with me mm-hmm. growing up because I had a real hard time putting things in perspective mm-hmm. growing up. She would say this to me as a teenager girl, at least twice a week. <laughs> and her, question, her question was, is this going to matter in five years? Yes. That's a cognitive strategy. Yes. It, it is. And I love what you're saying because you're using a scientific base of, okay, what is the evidence that this is true and for this, what is the evidence that it may not be true? And all of a sudden you have this in front of you and we're rational and you can look at the evidence and you can see that, well, most likely it's, this is not gonna happen. Most likely whatever I'm thinking, this is not true. That's what the evidence is saying. And it helps you to find that that space, that space and that distance from it. Exactly. So it's right? not here,
0: right? It's not yeah. in your face. It's because what I said before, like self, like self-talk is self-hypnosis. Like we want you to see, wait a minute, maybe what I'm thinking is not 100,000% true. There exactly. might even be a slice of possibility that something else might happen. And yeah. that means I need to be open to that. Exactly yep. right. That's how I think of it too, stacy's like space from the thought.
1: Yeah. So What are some of the exercises that you would recommend? We've talked about some really Mm -hmm. positive ones. I love of creating that story about your marriage and what you got from that, what he got from that and where you're moving Mm -hmm. on and looking for that next piece of growing yourself and that next journey. What are some other exercises that you have seen really successful, Dr. Khan?
0: So with my clients, I have seen creating the light, your life by design, not by default as a really important skill. Many women who've gone through divorce will come to me and say, I don't know who the heck I am anymore. Uh You know, what do I even like? And then suddenly for some who have children, you have this weekend alone and you don't know what you want to do. So I have an exercise in the book where I actually have people write down their ideal day, weekday, and then we go into the weekend hour by hour. And you might not be able to do this, but what if you could, what would you want to do? I think you need to behaviorally really look at what do I desire? Because I might've been spending a long time trying to figure out what other people in my relationship and in my family wanted, but what do I actually want? So I have a story in the book about someone who really had wanted to have more time to herself. And she really just wanted to have time to walk in nature. And she never really had any time to do that. And she lived in New York City and she didn't even know that that's what she wanted. But when she sat down to see that that was what she desired, suddenly this whole idea opened up to her that she would meet a friend and walk in Central Park. So just kind of turning, like shining a light on yourself and asking, Mm -hmm. what do I want is hugely powerful, especially for women.
1: Mm-hmm. And giving yourself that time and that space to to think about that, to rumble with that. Because I, I know that myself sometimes I've found myself so wrapped up in what other people have wanted for me. It took some time for me to figure out what I really want. And my situation is a little different. I, I you know, I've never gotten divorced, but I grew up as such a people pleaser. Yeah, You know, that's where I received my self-esteem was pleasing others, yeah. reaching their expectations of me. And mm-hmm. you can only do that so long before it becomes an extremely unhealthy situation. Yeah, And I found myself, you know, in my late 20s, kind of number one, thank God, realizing that through therapy, but then also really struggling, well, okay, what do I want? That was a, one of the first times in my life That I've ever asked that. And so many women, as they're going through a divorce, they've tried to be the perfect mom, the perfect wife, the perfect daughter in law, the perfect Mm -hmm. friend, the perfect Mm -hmm. PTA parent. Yes. And it can be a while to ask, you know, what do I want? Yeah,
0: I think a lot of times when women are coming out of a divorce too, they might feel like they failed because they couldn't please the other person. And you're right, so many women have people pleasing. And so there's also this opportunity that you had in your 20s to think, wait a minute, maybe it doesn't work yeah. to try to make everyone happy. Maybe I'm the one who ends up feeling alone and sad and depleted. Yeah. And yeah. I talk about, you know, I think self-care is about setting limits, setting boundaries, saying no. Those are all things that many of us, I know I had to learn only going through my divorce.
1: Mm-hmm. And a woman who's listening, Moving through this, how does she get support? How does she get support? And this is a question that I hadn't planned on asking, but I think is really powerful. There are a lot of different professionals, mental health professionals, Mm -hmm. and there are psychiatrists, psychologists, coaches. Mm -hmm. It can be overwhelming to know, who do I go to speak to? And do I use the current therapist that I've worked with for the last 10 years? So Mm. how do you navigate those questions?
0: That's a really good question. I mean, I really believe that it's a personal decision who is right for you. The main difference between a coach and a psychologist or a psychiatrist is that we have the ability to diagnose. Psychiatrists have the ability to prescribe medication. So if someone is, you know, thinking that they're really struggling with a mental health issue, I would, you know, suggest a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a social worker. I do talk a lot about the importance of match. You know, one thing I've noticed a lot is that people are often attracted initially when they first walk out the divorce door to a therapist or to a coach who kind of mirrors the personality of their ex. I don't know if you've noticed that, but it's really interesting. interesting. Like some of the best... Coaches I know who work with people who've had more aggressive partners are kind of yep. more aggressive. Like that's just their personality. So just be curious about who you're drawn to and why. I mean, that's as a therapist, that's my number one question, right? And so figure out if it's a right match for you. And that could be a social worker, a psychologist, a coach. Like it's more about how do you feel when you're with this other person? Do you feel heard? Do you feel understood? Yep. And in my case, I mean, I call the women in my program superwomen. I want you to go to a therapist or a coach who thinks you are friggin' fantastic for what you've done, who yeah. totally believes in your ability to heal, who sees a future for you that you can't even imagine. Like those are the things that I would say you want to look for.
1: And I am so appreciative of your answer because that is one of the most comforting answers you could ever ask, ever get. Because... <laughs> Ultimately, it's, are you being heard? Are you being understood? Do you feel that you can be 100% open and honest and not be judged? Do you know that person believes in you when maybe even you don't quite believe in yourself? And those are easy, right? That's all that gut stuff that, you know, we, we intuitively know. And it feels a lot easier. And and it's really good information, really good information. And and I think it's really important too for individuals that may have been with a therapist all their life or, you know, I don't want to say all their life, but, you know, yeah, five, a 10 time. years, mm-hmm. long time, that that person might be the right person for you. But there also are professionals that, that have more of a specialty, right? Mm-hmm. And just as someone who comes to me who's dealing with a, a divorce, Definitely. I'm going to, refer a certain person, another person who might be coming to me with some real deep seated money issues and worthy issues might be another person, someone who comes to me that it's very clear that they've gone through an abusive situation. Same thing. So again, finding that right fit and knowing that whoever you choose, make sure they're the right fit. And that if you're moving on from a current professional, that that's okay, that that's okay, yeah. And there, you're doing what's right for you. And if you're doing what's right for you, you're ultimately doing what's right for that professional too. Absolutely.
0: So, and people are often nervous to leave therapists.
1: They um, are. I, I remember always... when I left my therapist. That's why I'm bringing up. Like I, I felt know. like I deserted her, and I felt, oh my god, you know, one of those things. I remember that conversation where I just really felt healthy, and I felt like I yes. had moved to that place. But it took me like six months. I know. Of going and to therapy always, every single I week know. to explain it and, and get the well, courage.
0: I, I know. I always tell people, like, we are totally used to this. Like, that's a 50% yeah. of our job is saying goodbye in an appropriate way. And yeah. we want you to graduate. We want you to do exactly. well. Exactly. People are so nervous about it. And ultimately, you're the consumer. So, just like what people work with you, Stacey, you know, yeah, you need to feel comfortable. I was thinking the same thing, like being heard, being seen, believing in your ability to move through it. Like you need that in a financial planner, you need that in a lawyer. Like if that, you need that in anyone who's on your yeah. team who's helping your, you. partner.
1: And your, and your partner, in your partner, whoever that new partner might be too. Right, right, right. So. Exactly. Oh well, Doctor Cohen, you have been just such a delight to speak to. How can our listeners find out more about you, and not only your website, but I'd love for you to talk about where they can get your book. I know that it's on Amazon it's yeah. doing really well. So please, please do Thanks. jump in.
0: Thanks. Yeah. So you can find my book, Light at the Other Side of Divorce, Discovering the New You, at Amazon and also at Bookshop, which is a conglomerate of small bookstores. So just given oh, after love the that. pandemic, it's really nice to support them. And you can find out information about my private practice, about my speaking, my online course, my groups. And I actually have a free course for parents called How Not to Screw Up Your Kids, Three Secrets from a Psychologist about co-parenting. And that's all on my website, which is DrElizabethCohen.com, which is DR.
1: That's great. Well, thank you. And everyone listening at Financially Ever After here, don't worry, we're going to put all of this in the show notes, link to her book, as well as the uh, information that you need to reach out to Dr. Elizabeth Cohen. and just again, want to say thank you so much for sharing with us. This has been an absolute Mm. delight and I'm so excited that we've been able to talk about this topic with someone like yourself that's able to bring some of the science behind it and also some concrete exercises and strategies to be able to move through this. So I can't thank you enough. Oh, it's my pleasure.
0: I'm so happy to have been here. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you for joining us today. I have always loved zebras. And I don't know if you know this, but every zebra has a different pattern, a different pattern of stripes. They're all unique and different, just as we're all unique and different listening today. But what I'm going to most take away is that zebras have it figured out. They have a threat, they respond, and they move on. So I don't know about you, I'm going to try and be more like a zebra. And many people have threats and are concerned about their finances. So if we can help you in any way, let us help you. We have a wonderful approach where we'll sit down with you during our discovery meeting, wherever you happen to live. Using Zoom, we will meet with you and review your financial goals, your values, your portfolio, and help answer questions that you have about whether you're on track and what steps you need to take to make sure you stay on track or move towards getting there. You see, Francis Financial is a, a fee-only independent wealth management firm. And I agree that is a mouthful. Less than 2% of advisors work that way. But what this means all in a nutshell is that we are here for you and we are legally obligated to do what's best for you. And I have to tell you, it makes good business sense. It makes great business sense because doing what's right for you means that you're going to stay with us for the long term. And our clients do. Our retention rate is over 98% unheard of in the financial wealth management industry. So please reach out. You can reach out to me, Stacy S-T-A-C-Y, at FrancisFinancial.com, or you can visit our website. It's a pretty nifty website, www.FrancisFinancial.com. Gives you a lot of great information about our divorce financial planning services, as well as our ongoing wealth management services for individuals like you. Wanting to make sure that your nest egg that you have is protected and that you're on the road to financial recovery and financial security. So thank you again for tuning in to Financially Ever After. Do me a favor, share this with a woman you care about who might have questions about her finances, might have questions about getting divorced or what her new life might look like after divorce. This is meant to be an amazing resource. And I think we all agree that resources are key when you're going through a time in your life when there's a lot of change and you're having what we call the snowball effect. Your life is being shaken up and things are falling down all around you. A team can help you stay the course, make good decisions and have a both healthy, happy and financially secure life. Thanks for tuning in.